Did you ever procrastinate to the point that it caused you some pretty serious trouble, some dire consequences because you kept on putting off what you knew you should do? What about to the point that you were actually confronted by a police officer? Because that's what happened to me a few years ago. I'll tell you about it coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Josh Ray. Nick, I didn't expect you to procrastinate playing the music there at the beginning. Hi, <laughs> uh, welcome to The Inner Life here today on uh, the second day of Lent, Thursday after Ash Wednesday. I'm Josh Raymond, of course, and glad to have you here for this hour dedicated to spiritual direction. So our family, we used to live in northeast Wisconsin, and I had this pickup, a Nissan pickup that was my main vehicle. We actually still own that pickup, but now it's just the vehicle that... Our kids, as they've gotten older, they first learn how to drive. That's the one that they use. Plus, it's a stick shift, so they get to learn how to manually shift, how to use a clutch, all of that, you know, how to kill the car <laughs> as, they, as they're learning. But maybe about seven, eight, nine years ago, yeah, somewhere in that, there, uh, when I was the one that was still primarily driving it, We'd done the regular renewal of the registration, and those little stickers that you put on your license plate, they arrived in the mail. And the registration month for my pickup, it was November. And in northern Wisconsin, November is a cold, cold month. And that particular year, it was bitterly cold. It it started early and it just kept up for months. Snow, ice, harsh winds that would just cut through you you regardless of how thick your coat was or how many layers that you might be wearing. And so when those registration stickers first arrived— with the freezing weather out there, I didn't put them on the license plate right away. I just put them in the glove box one morning as I was getting in the car saying, okay, I'll get around to it later. There'll be one of these days where it'll be a little warmer. But then I forgot about them until probably around late February, early March. But it was still cold at that point. And plus, having driven in all the winter weather for the last few months, I knew, okay, I'd have to go and get a cloth or some paper towels. I'm going to have to clean off the spot for the sticker there so it would adhere. But that was more work than I wanted to do at the moment while it was still so cold out. So again, I'd get around to it later. And I forgot about it again. And then when I would remember, it would be these kind of inopportune times. Like I'd think of it, When I was in bed, lights are already out for the night, and then it just pops into my head, but I'm not going to get out of bed and go do that. So I would tell myself, I'll do it tomorrow, or I'll do it this weekend. And then I'd still forget about it for another week or two weeks. So somewhere around late May or early June, I was still driving around with the current registration stickers, the current years. They were in my glove box. But now I was kind of curious And I decided to do my own little experiment. I wanted to see how long I could actually drive around showing my registration was expired, even though it technically wasn't. But how long could I make it before a police officer would spot it and pull me over? And I was already a half a year in, so could I make it a full 12 months? And that would be the end of it. If if I made it a full year, I was going to say, yep, that was it. I did have a couple of times where police cars were driving behind me, and they didn't pull me over. But... I didn't make it that full 12 months. I made it to late August, about nine months. And one sunny afternoon, 
in August, I was driving to a bakery that's not too far from our house where we lived at the time. And as I pulled into their parking lot, a police cruiser that I hadn't seen, it came right up behind me. Lights are flashing. And everybody inside the bakery now is looking out with these police lights that are flashing there, watching this police officer ask me about my registration, which I showed him. It was current. I proceeded to get the stickers out. I put them on my license plate. He was very nice about the whole thing, gave me just kind of the expected warning. And then he drove off as I walked into the bakery, and they didn't know what exactly was going on inside. They just saw somebody got pulled over by a police officer, and one of the teenagers working behind the counter, he said, wow, I never realized how good our bread is that somebody would risk getting pulled over just to get here so fast. So I, uh, <laughs> I'm i sure you've had that same sort of experience, though, You know, where you put something off. You tell yourself, I'll get around to it. Have you noticed that quite often— at least this is the case for me. The more you put something off, the harder it can become to actually get around to it. And you start dreading it, you know? And that's where we can enter into this realm of a sin called sloth. And sloth can hit us physically and emotionally. It manifests in what we call laziness or maybe boredom, but it can also enter into our spiritual lives, something that is called acedia. The thing is, you can even be a very productive person, and yet this deadly sin of sloth, it can still impact you. You might not even be aware that you have certain areas of your life where that sin of sloth has a hold on you. Well, today we want to take this hour of the inner life to better understand the sin of sloth, how we can identify it in ourselves, and more importantly, we want to talk about the virtues that can help us overcome it and, of course, avoid it altogether. And our spiritual director for the hour, Father Michael Hurley, is back once again. And Father Michael is a Dominican priest. He's the pastor of St. Dominic's Parish in San Francisco. Father Michael, welcome back to The Inner Life. Delighted to be back with you, Chuck. I, I mean, I loved your story. I, I always like to say, you know, never put off until tomorrow what you can do the day after tomorrow. Uh-huh. Yep, yep. So... <laughs> So it started. It started out as an honest, just yeah, forgetting, forgetting, yeah, and exactly. then and then I was like, ah, let's let's <laughs> let's do our own little social experiment here. But that's right, exactly. That's well, we can do. so Father Sloth, it's traditionally uh, in that that list of those seven deadly sins, and I think most of us, when we think of the sin of sloth, we think mainly about it being lazy, but. It actually encompasses so much more than mere laziness. So can maybe you help us understand what sloth really is when we're talking about it? Maybe some of the different layers or components that are involved in this sin. Absolutely. Yeah, no, because I think when we think of uh, sloth, we think of, well, that uh, animal in South America that just yeah, kind right. of is, is, is slow and kind of like is it doesn't seem like it's doing much activity and we kind of apply it to that. Or in our lives, we just think if we're just, you know, sitting around or just, you know, a lazy, you know, weekend where the only thing we do is, you know, sit on the couch and just, you know, watch sports or do, you know, do do just inactivity in general, just kind of laziness. But the, um, the other the church saw it as one of the, I mean, that's, and that's maybe not the most productive thing, but that's not actually, that's not a threat to our uh, salvation, right. <laughs> so to speak. If it's, I mean, that's not a deadly sin. The, uh, the, the early church, especially uh, the desert fathers uh, saw this sin of, of, of sloth or uh, acedia as, um, as really at the heart of, 
a threat to salvation. And they, they called it the noonday devil based on the, the Psalm 91 where the, the psalmist talks about all the threats that come to us and the, the, the arrow that flies uh, by day and the terror that comes in darkness and the, the plague or the demon that comes at the noonday. Now, these were desert fathers. They were out in the, uh, the, the Egyptian desert. This is, you know, a few hundred years after Christ. And they had decided to kind of live in this kind of radical way of self-denial and asceticism. And the most difficult part of the day they found was not in the coolness of the morning when they're getting everything to kind of together, get your day started, or the evening, but right in that midday when they were called to be in their little huts and contemplate, and the sun's beating down on them, and it's getting hot, and they think, I want to be anywhere else but here, <laughs> and so and they, they and, then, and so it's this, a sense of and they you go Cashin, one of the desert fathers goes out so he goes out of his little hut and he he looks at the sun and between ten and ten and two the sun doesn't look like it moves very much so all of a sudden it's like when is this day going to get over when's my contemplation going to be over and so it's it's basically a kind of sorrow or a kind of um, burden of doing what you need to do in the moment it's this noonday devil which is the temptation to flee. Um, what gives us sorrow and to compensate by seeking to do something else. Well, and, and that compensating to do something else, maybe we can get into that in a moment here, but I, I think it also might be good to clarify, because you, you said, you know, it, that image that we have of, okay, you've got a weekend where you, you just don't do anything, you veg on the couch, you know, watching, you know, uh, binging on, on, you know, some sort of a show that you like on television or you're just watching yeah. sports or whatever it might be you're just resting itself is actually something that we need you know god created us to need times of rest you know that that 7 day week the commandment of resting on the sabbath so resting recreation leisure time are all good things so can you maybe help us draw a little more clear distinction between the the sides of leisure and rest and then what you're talking about that sloth where we're looking to avoid or distract ourselves from the things we need to do. Yeah, so maybe a nice one kind of phrase definition for uh, sloth or the, the deadly sin is, it, is the inability to choose the good or aversion towards the good. That's, that's really at the heart of it. In fact, Aquinas says that things like recreation are actually helpful in terms of being things which help us to overcome acedia or that kind of sloth. In other words, living, having a balanced life is there. It's like the rubber band, which is permanently stretched. At some point, it's going to break, right? So it has to relax at times. So he talks about how do we overcome a kind of sorrow which keeps us even from the goodness of our daily tasks. He says, well, you know, have a warm bath or a glass of wine. He, he points to just kind of very legitimate kind of recreational moments. And so, yeah, we, we shouldn't, uh, part of a, part of what actually helps us, and we can get to this maybe later in terms of what are some of the ways in which we can overcome or what the virtues or a kind of a balanced life might look like, we have to look towards even the goodness of recreation <laughs> to help us to overcome that kind of uh, yeah, lassitude or sorrow that comes from the inability to see the goodness of what we are called to do in this moment. I also want to open up the phones here because I think this is one of those sins that might uh, we might not recognize as much in ourselves, but there it also might come up just at certain times, and uh, would love to hear if you're listening right now— uh, 
when have you maybe struggled with the things that you need to do? Have there been those those particular times in your spiritual life where you've maybe felt that kind of sorrow that Father Michael Hurley is talking about? Maybe there's just a lack of motivation to pray, to go to Mass, especially here as we're right at the very beginning of Lent, you know, where the Church is encouraging us, saying, make this a wonderful time of spiritual growth and spiritual renewal. And maybe you're saying, ah, it's just been hard to get any sort of motivation. What has helped you maybe in the past, if you've dealt with this, to get back on track in your spiritual life, to regain that desire, that motivation? Maybe you are in that situation right now and you'd like some advice, some insight from Father Michael. Our phone number into the studio is 888-914-9149, So let's talk about that idea of sorrow, because, you know, the, the things that I find myself putting off, I don't associate with sorrow. I think it's it really just d- does come to a point of, oh, that feels more overwhelming to me than any sort of sorrow that I would associate with it. How, how, do, we, how do we, I guess, identify if there is something that's there, but it could be lying under the surface? We don't recognize it. Yeah, no, and, and, and sorrow in kind of the broad sense, I'm glad you, you kind of clarified that. It's not just like kind of a uh, kind of a grief or, in fact, um, once again, going back to Aquinas, he says actually uh, tears, that, that is true compunction for uh, our sins or our failures, is actually a way that shows that we actually care. So, so in, the, in this way, it's a general apathy is what I would say. There's a, there's a, there's a, that, that sorrow in the sense of aversion to or just the word CD uh, literally means I don't care, right? Without care, and so it's a kind of carelessness in that way. So, how do we identify that? Well, we just ask. We have to ask ourselves: <laughs> Do we care about this? What's 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 at stake for us in this thing? If it's something that we don't care about, we have to ask ourselves: Should we care about it? It doesn't have a kind of claim on us. It's interesting if you look at the uh, the the original Greek word. It means care in its positive sense, without the a, which is the negation in Greek. Um, it, it it simply means. Uh, the kind of care you would have for a spouse or a loved one, even beyond death, and then it extends to family and friends. In other words, people who we have responsibility for, who we've, uh, in a sense, should care for, this vice and cuts us off from that fundamental relationship of caring. It's not caring for those things that we ought to care most deeply about. And so when we're trying to kind of put our finger on <laughs> where where is this thing cropping up in my life, we have to ask ourselves what it will, what responsibilities, what vocation, what is um, the God's will for me in this moment, and and do I care about that? <laughs> and am I taking those daily actions uh, that show that I care about that in my activity and what I will? Well, okay. And so, you know, the, the things that we might use as distractions or diversions that we can kind of welcome into our lives then, you know, I, I think if, if we're at a place where it's, I really don't care about this, I know I should do it, but I don't care about the thing that God's calling me to do. More often in our lives, I think that the entertainment-based kind of outlet that we, we have in our culture, that's, that seems to me the most natural place where we'd kind of find those distractions, those diversions. You know, It's easy to put off those responsibilities or obligations or even just you know, the work that we need to do um, to pay the bills 
when we have access to so many entertainment options, it's easy to just, oh, just just one more. I'm going to stream one more episode. It's only 20 minutes or it's only 40 minutes. Just one more. Then I'll get around to that thing I'm <laughs> avoiding. Um, I, I mean, this, the snooze button on our alarms, that's another one. You know, the... These these things seem to just be naturally wanting to feed that kind of distraction, diversion uh, aspect in our lives, saying, yeah, you, you don't have to care about it because we'll give you something here that will just take up your time so you don't have to deal with the thing in front of you. Absolutely. C.S. Lewis has a, I mean, the um, uh, um, screw tape letters, which is one of my favorites, really deep uh, spiritual and psychological insight into sin says that the devil always starts, number one, with distraction. <laughs> he wants to get us and our focus away from the, the needful thing we need to do to say, oh, look how shiny or glittery or how pleasing, how good this is. In other words, to present another good that seems easy, more comfortable, um, just uh, more entertaining in that way. And once you've kind of gotten off track, <laughs> then it's not only that that thing that we're that it causes our distraction is a good we then look back at what we ought to do and we begin to see that as being not good being somehow a threat a hindrance to what we're doing so it's not just that a uh, cd or sloth is an impediment to the good it shapes it reshapes unfortunately our our vision to see the very good thing that we need to do is actually a threat to goodness. It's actually evil. It, it, it basically inverts, <laughs> if you will, goodness itself, which is why it's one of the deadly sins. Well, so if you've had that warping of your view on something to where you're looking at what objectively is good, but now you're seeing it as a threat to what you misperceive as good, how do you uh, regain that proper view of what is truly good and not what you have as a mistaken idea of good. Yeah, and that's why uh, Thomas says there are some um, uh, vices that we flee from. That is, we just have to get away from them. And he talks about kind of lust and, and gluttony of the senses where you just have to step away from the chocolate cake, get away from temptations of impurity, right? But there are others that we have to actually engage with. We have to stand, we have to fight. We've got to summon that sense of courage and perseverance. And that's where this comes in. How do we, uh, if you will, readjust our sight or that warped vision or that disordered passion? We've actually got to do the good thing, whether it feels good or not, despite our emotional state of mind or heart, we have to actually fight with that sense of love. In other words, embrace the good thing we ought to do, even though it feels like a threat. And so it does take those uh, concomitant virtues of courage and perseverance to overcome acedia. Talking with Father Michael Hurley today about sloth, about acedia. We've been talking mainly about sloth here, but we're going to also turn to that spiritual side of slothfulness that can impact us, that apathy in our spiritual lives called acedia. And maybe that's something that you've dealt with in the past. Maybe you're dealing with it right now. If it's something that has uh, been an issue for you in the past, what are some ways you've been able to overcome that? What are some ways that you've been able to turn back and let go of that apathy, that slothfulness in your life? What has helped you? Maybe specific saints that you've asked for their intercession, specific prayers, or uh, certain things that you've just had to make yourself do, certain v virtues that you've turned to, just like uh, Father was talking about there with courage, with perseverance. Uh, if it's something you're struggling with right now, 
Uh, again, you're welcome to call in and speak with Father Michael Hurley. The number into the studio is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And our email address is relevantradio.com. We'll be right back in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This hour is sponsored by St. Gregory Recovery Center, helping you or a loved one live a substance-free life. Information at relevantradio.com slash Gregory. That's relevantradio.com slash Gregory. Sitting in the morning sun I'll be sitting when the evening comes Watching the ships roll in Then I'll watch them roll away again Yeah, Otis Redding. That's a great song, Sitting on the Dock of the Bay. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, speaking with Father Michael Hurley, taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149. Hey, right before we came back from the break, uh, you heard our CEO here at Relevant Radio, Father Rocky, and one of his Lenten lessons on the Mass. And if you have not signed up to receive those daily in your inbox, well, yeah, you can hear the audio version on Relevant Radio every day, and I hope you do tune in and hear those. But there's a text version that you can listen to. There's also a video version that Father uh, Rocky, he takes you and gives you a lot more insight and teaching on all the different aspects of what we see in our churches, about the prayers that we pray together when we go to Mass, about what is happening during the different points of the Mass. And if you haven't signed up for that, it's not too late. And it's absolutely free if you go to RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. You can just put your email address in there. You'll see the banner where you can sign up. You can click there. Uh, Give us your email address, and we'll send Every single day for the rest of Lent, you'll get those Lenten lessons on the Mass from Father Rocky. I hope you sign up for them if you haven't already. If if you have uh, signed up for those in the past and you've you've seen the videos, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, I I still watch them every year because they're so helpful and educational and remind me of things that I've forgotten about. So again, relevantradio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. Today, talking about the sin, the one of those seven deadly sins of sloth sloth and then the spiritual side of that, acedia. And what does that mean? What does that sin look like? How do we overcome it? How do we avoid it? What are the virtues that can help us? And maybe that's a sin that you've struggled with, or you have a question about sloth. You have a question about that spiritual kind of apathy that you might be dealing with in your life. And the phone number to call in and speak with Father Michael is 888-914-9149-888-914-9149. Father, right before the break, you were talking, you mentioned a couple of virtues. You mentioned courage, you mentioned perseverance, and especially when it comes to us having to make an effort to make that choice in choosing the good. Um, does at least on kind of maybe more the physical side of what we're talking about here, is it really just a matter of being disciplined, of making that effort, making yourself, you know, uh, not hit the snooze button in the morning, you know, put the, the alarm clock across the, the, the bedroom so it forces you to get out of bed? Something as simple as that. Where, where does the reliance, the dependence upon God and his help, his grace, 
kind of come into this as well? Oh yeah, well it's it's a both end, of course. Like of everything, course, yeah. our Catholic faith. So so yeah, so it's it's certainly us, and I think there's a, a psychologically, you know, we have to uh, act as if everything depends on us, but we've got to pray as if everything depends on God, right? So so in other words, you have to say it's I, God's not going to hit the snooze button, except if or, or you know he's going to get out of bed except through me right <laughs> right so in other words it's uh if we act as if everything depends on us but we pray or we live as if everything depends on god that's nice and a nice balance but yeah no you're you're right i think there's a a way in which the antidote or the remedy to this uh spiritual sloth this uh acedia uh, first of all is just embracing the daily responsibilities we have and the constancy of the commitments of the relationships we have and nurturing them and once again despite it's it's 90 percent of of being able to overcome acedia isn't to be successful in what we're doing other than simply being faithful as mother Teresa says faithful just showing up showing up is 90 percent of it mm. and so to, to give ourselves that sense of um uh, uh structure in our lives this is why as um you know this this uh, kind of developed over the centuries through religious life this this idea of uh the the threat to our spiritual life in general is the idea of orarium like do we have in our day a kind of set structure for both you know the work and the responsibility we need to do the relationships that we really treasure in our life and, and need a sense of commitment time commitment and and connection uh the time we owe to god our, our prayer life is our, our prayer life suffering in any way are we making excuses for why i'm too busy uh, to pray and then ultimately that that sense of am i allowing time for i mean I, I love the otis redding comeback it's kind of like is there time for contemplation of rest of really resting in the one who created us in that sense of uh, not just prayer just asking for what we need but just a, a day that doesn't have some quiet time for reflection is going to be at threat or at risk to simply being lost in the kind of escapism and the kind of distraction that the devil will, will tempt us with, and mm. which is that slippery slope towards acedia. Well, and let's come back to the escapism aspect too, because I think there might be ways that escapism can be at play in our lives and we don't even recognize it. But I want to yeah. go to the phones. Again, our phone number here today, if you'd like to call in and speak with Father Michael Hurley as we're talking about the sin of sloth, uh, the spiritual side of acedia, and that apathy that we can experience if you would like to call in, the phone number is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Shelly is listening in northern Utah. Shelly, welcome to The Inner Life. Glad to have you here. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I have a question about if somebody has or suffers from depression and, you know, has a lot of the symptoms that are indicative of sloth and or acedia. Um, how do you know when it's the depression speaking and everything seems extremely overwhelming and to take an inordinate amount of energy to do and when you've crossed over into sloth or acedia and how to resolve each of those? Or if they yeah. if they end up becoming the same thing, I, I don't know. Yeah, that's such a great yeah. question, and, and and you know, yeah. How how do you know where what you can do on your own is not enough, and where you really do need maybe some some help from a trained counselor? Yeah, absolutely. No, Shelley, thanks for that question. I, I'm sure you're not the only one that has that. Um, 
a question and maybe even in the terms of your own lived experience. Yeah, no, this sin is not what we would call just contemporarily kind of like a depression, you know, that has both uh, psychological and even uh, biochemistry sorts of um, effects in our lives. So I would say if if, if the, the, you certainly want to, uh, like anything in life, be sure that you, you know, you, you consulting your physician and, 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 and things like that in terms of what, what we need on a physical level and a psychological level. Uh, but I will say there is a connection. Uh, the, the, the whole point of a CD is it's not in our emotions and it's not in our psyche. It's in our will. So the, the bright line distinction I like to make when we're asking is, is this a sin or not? Or is this a, something that's just a kind of consequent to just the burden of living, of life, is am I choosing it? And to what extent am I free to choose it, right? And so Zidia uh, is, is a true threat when we've kind of says, I don't care when it's in the in in our power to care or to do something about it, um, and so there's if our freedom is diminished by you know uh, a, a psychiatric kind of um, impediment or some kind of uh, brain chemistry imbalance or something like that, that's where we need to get help. You know, in terms of of kind of medical side. On the other hand, though, if we continue to choose and to not care, and I say that very, it's not just I don't care, we actually, you have to choose not to care, you have to choose that way, and it becomes such a slippery slope, then we can actually bring that kind of uh, spiritual tupor or depression upon ourselves, and that's something which ultimately is with God's grace in our, in our uh, province, where we actually can uh, kind of habitually make little changes that enable us to realize kind of the joy of the spirit. Uh, Thomas Aquinas uh, is very interesting. He, when he's talking about this particular sin, says it's not a threat. Uh, it is a threat to charity, which is which hadn't been really pinpointed at, at that point. It's this kind of his contribution. It's a threat to charity, specifically to joy. Um, and so if you if you could, if you're talking about joy as being the first effect of being in the presence of the one you love, it's that sense of how am I choosing <laughs> each day to experience that sense of, of joy. And so once again, when you think of depression, if we're thinking about it as an emotion or as a, some kind of imbalance of, 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 our, of our psyche or uh, biochemistry, that's not sinful at all. And that's something that we could, we have other avenues to kind of go. If it's something that's coming from the choices uh, that we make not to care or to um, either escape from or not engage in the activity God has given to us, that depression is something that in a sense gives us a kind of red flag <laughs> to say, I need to make some changes. I need God's grace and I need to act with that uh, sense of um, finding the joy in my life. Yeah, again, great question, Shelley. I, I hope that helps. You know, one of the other things that uh, is probably important to point out here, too, while we're talking, and this happens quite often, we're able to talk in kind of generalities and broad strokes here on the inner life. If this is something, you know, Shelley, if it's you or if it's somebody you know or somebody else, you know, you're listening right now, and there's that question of, I don't know, maybe I am dealing with depression or maybe that's that's you know it's not it's not clinical depression it is you know primarily this area of sloth or acedia going and meeting with a spiritual director one on one where they can really kind of get into the the specifics of your situation of what you're dealing with you know that that's father that's going to be the best resource for somebody to be able to kind of distinguish 
where am I in this scheme, in, in this, this uh, landscape of, is it more on the side of sin, or is it something where I really do need to seek professional help? Absolutely. Yeah. You want to go to someone that you, you know, is either has some um, experience in this in terms of treating it or or someone who can just take you through a little checklist. It's almost like um, we have like the examination of conscience, which kind of like takes us through ways in which we either are uh, failing to hit the mark, our sins, and maybe even do an exam on the, the, the virtues that we're, that we're cultivating or that are popping up in our lives. We do the same thing when it, when it comes to just our emotional life, right? And so to be able to distinguish between what's kind of our emotional state of being versus what's our, to use a technical term, volitional state of being. What, what are we actually choosing and the interplay between there? And that's going to really help to um, sort out whether we're talking about a, a clinical kind of thing, a psychological thing, or if we're talking about something that's more of the realm of our spiritual life. Right. Well, and you might also be able to look at, is this impacting all areas of my life? You know, if, yeah. if I am finding myself not wanting to do one thing, not, you know, having that apathy or that not caring kind of attitude towards one specific uh, activity or relationship or, you know, if it's focused just in one area, but then I am choosing the good, I'm doing what I need to do in a lot of other areas, that's probably, I would think, an indication that you are looking more at that sin of sloth or acedia. If it's impacting all areas of your life, that might be more of an indication that it is something that could be in the realm of depression or some something else where you would need that help. Again, talking very broad strokes here, though, Father. Yeah, no, I would think if it's if it's something that where you literally are paralyzed to you know physically yeah. move or something, you would you probably have gone beyond. Because here's the thing about um, uh, the devil and, and our sin: uh, the, the 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 devil does not want us to be aware that we're being attempted. He doesn't want us to think anything is wrong. So if we get to a place where we're immobilized, we're 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 actually probably on the path to recovery because it's like, oh boy, something's wrong here. I got to do something. Right. So the so the perniciousness of, of a, a CDA is not only that we don't care, but we don't care that we don't care. Or we're not even aware that we don't care in that way, <laughs> right? So so it's the moment we realize, hey, I don't care. It's like, oh, but should I care? And all of a sudden now, now the the, 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 the little the door is just open just a little bit. The window is cracked, and now the the fresh air of, of God's grace and the light of His His presence can come in. And so so when we're talking about disentangling what's sinful and what's not, it to the extent that we can identify where we've gone wrong, so to speak, can actually be the the first steps towards taking action. And that's precisely what temptation and the devil don't want. They don't want us to take action. Well, and when we talk about you know not taking action. I think it might be good to talk, too, about how that sin of sloth, it can be seen in people who are very active. You know, if I am someone who is a workaholic, but I use my work as that kind of distraction, that diversion, I might be working long hours. Uh, I, I, I tell myself I'm striving to get ahead in my career, and this is a really good thing. I'm doing this, you know, and, and I can even trick myself and say, I'm doing this for my family. But if I am avoiding my wife or my kids, if I'm neglecting God or my spiritual life, if I'm using my work as an excuse, I might be oblivious to it, but there still could be that underlying sin of sloth at work there. 
Absolutely. The analogy you might give is towards someone who has a kind of a, an addiction or a de dependency to kind of a chemical, a drug or something, alcohol or something, but still is very high functioning in terms of success, in terms of their, their job or their career. And yet, like kind of underneath the surface, there's this crippling kind of uh, chemical and <laughs> psychological dependency they have on, on a drug. It's, it's the same thing, too, with this. We can be very successful and, and, and kind of like be functioning at a very high level in a way that's that to all intents and purposes looks like we're, we're just flourishing and yet inside there can be a great disconnect because we're disconnected from those relationships that call uh, responsibility from them. So this is why Aquinas talks about uh, CD as being um, the aversion to love and the aversion to basically God's friendship. He takes it to that extent. It's, it's basically an aversion to uh, the presence of God in our soul. That is what he calls us to be uh, as friends. It's a sorrowing over God's friendship with us. And so we can look very successful and we can do all kinds of great things and wonderful things, but if deep down it's not connected to the source of, of all of our of our life and love, then there's going to come a crash. Uh, and, then, and, and the warning sign for that is um, is the, the presence of joy. This is why Aquinas, as I mentioned before, connects it to joy and that sense of, of, of um, identifying where uh, are that satisfaction, that deep-seated, if you will, satisfaction or connection to the good is in our lives. Our spiritual director on The Inner Life today is Father Michael Hurley, the pastor of St. Dominic's Parish in San Francisco, and our phones are open for your call, 888-914-9149, talking about that spiritual apathy that we can experience, sloth or acedia, um, and how we overcome that. Maybe it's something you've dealt with in the past. What has helped you be able to reclaim that joy, to be able to uh, make it out of that apathy so that you do start to care, that you, you uh, f really understand and experience the love that God has for you? And you're able to then offer that love back to God. Maybe it's something that you're dealing with right now and you'd like some advice, some insight from Father Michael. 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, or you can email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. We need to take one more quick break, but we will be right back here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Looking for a new job? How about one that offers you opportunities for spiritual, social, and charitable growth? Our sponsor, the Catholic Order of Foresters, is hiring new agents today. Visit relevantradio.com slash forester, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. listening to Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. And big thank you to Nick Sentevich, helping to produce the program, Sarah Tafoya, screening calls this morning. And I'm Josh Raymond, joined by Father Michael Hurley. He is a Dominican priest and the pastor of St. Dominic's Parish in San Francisco, talking today about sloth, about acedia, and taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149, Father, you know, we, as we've been talking about this, you've mentioned some different things. 
that can help us, but when we're in that state, I guess, but but maybe before we even get to a point where, okay, now I'm in this this place where there's this spiritual apathy or, you know, this this sin of sloth that I I, I find myself struggling with. Because at that point, I would think, you know, it could feel like you're kind of up against this brick wall. Okay, I know I need to do good, but I don't. I just don't have any motivation to do good in this area. And but it, I'm I'm hearing that I have to do good to kind of dig myself out of this. You know, asking for God to help me in that way. So it might feel a little defeating in that moment. I I, I guess I'll ask two things. How do you get out of that kind of rut if you are in that place? But then also, how can you guard yourself against falling into that realm of apathy in the first place so that you don't have to worry about trying to have to dig yourself out of that rut? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no, the, the first to the first kind of thing, how do you kind of dig yourself out of that rut? The, the key is just start small. <laughs> Small but consistent is there. So, so it's a little things just by doing the little daily things. Like for, ex- for, for example, um, you, you mentioned just the snooze button. I think I mean I know it's just kind of a seem like a kind of a, a trivial kind of thing, but yeah, it's starting up and saying I'm getting up at this time in the morning because I want to have enough time to just maybe do a morning offering or set my day off right with some morning prayer or some just quiet time to kind of center myself in what I have to do today. That's I mean. It may, it may seem like a very small thing, but I, I guarantee you, if you took, you know, from whenever you usually get up, if you took 10 minutes and say, I'm, I'm, I'm putting, I'm not, I'm not making it possible to hit the snooze button and I'm doing it, that would work. And you do that consistently every day. It's going to make a, a huge, huge difference. Um, and then when it comes to, so that's on the kind of, if, when it feels overwhelming, just start small. Do something that's manageable but consistent every day, and you'll find yourself as you go on being able to then kind of do more and more and more and actually kind of take pleasure in doing it. It actually is going to feed you and not just be something you have to overcome. On the other hand, practices that that kind of help keep us from getting to that point in terms of consistency is just, I think, the things that we do every day, being intentional about them, uh, is goes a long way. For example, I'll just give the example in the... Um, the early church uh, talks about connecting uh, the virtues and the vices to that paradigm of all prayer, which is the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Jesus, when he teaches us to pray, isn't just giving us, a, a, you know, here's another way you can pray. It's actually a, a template or it's a, a kind of model for all prayer. And the specific petition, which asks God to give us our daily bread, give us this day our daily bread was connected to uh, the overcoming of this vice, of this sloth, this uh, acedia, uh, because on, on the one hand, it's it's a daily kind of thing, so it connotes that sense of uh, having to do our daily tasks and doing our daily thing, but it, it comes from God. In other words, it's his bread that feeds us, and there's a way in which coming to Mass, receiving the Eucharist, breaking open the word of the scriptures, being connected to uh, God every day is going to keep us from getting too far off uh, track. In other words, if we are seeking uh, God's will every day, seeking that daily bread to be fed and nourished by God, there's a physicality to it, <laughs> but there's there's also a sense of connectivity. And that's what, what, what 
is the kind of the, the key virtue, if you had to kind of say it, is if, if love is that connection and the willing the good of another, um, then being, how to put it, being intentional about providing that connection and showing up for that connection is going to nourish us in every way. Certainly at the height of that in the Eucharist and receiving Jesus uh, every every opportunity we can. Right. The, the thing about being intentional is when you first start out, it feels so difficult. But if you keep up with yeah. it, it, it does get easier. You know, just, just a little yeah. word of hope there for <laughs> for uh, yeah, you know, absolutely. moving forward, uh, Father got an email from Amy, and uh, this is a great question too. She said, "I'm busy all day with tasks around the house, running errands. I volunteer for several community-related things. I feel guilty for not focusing on the most important things, making time for prayer, focusing on tasks that directly support my family. Any tips on keeping first things first? Yeah, I, w- I would say if if it comes to uh, just our daily time, it just to kind of notice how much time we're spending in each, you know, each thing. It's sometimes, you know, we uh, we do this with finances very easily, or, or hopefully, <laughs> if we're doing this, is we say, how much are we spending in this area of our life or this area of life? We don't always do that with time, right, or where we're spending our time. So it can be just as, uh, not just as easy, but uh, one practical tip might be to just say, okay, I, you might just say, given a, the, a week, just take a week, you know, the number of hours, and ask yourself, it's kind of like, uh, like to give the financial analogy again, it's kind of like, what's the budget versus my expense, you might say, what do I want to budget? What's my aspiration for time spent and quality time with these different things, family, friends, loved ones, versus community service versus, you know, what, what it's going to take to keep the house clean, which is frankly a function of loving of loving uh, uh, our family and, and 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 so forth and to kind of budget it that way it's, it's sometimes it's I, I know I do it for myself and sometimes I'm like wow I spend a lot more time <laughs> in that where I wish I could spend it over here and it's like okay to the whatever extent I'm in control of that maybe I'll make a shift in that way so so just noticing how much time we're spending on things can be a great way to kind of put first things first to help us to make that choice and not just let it happen to us right well and and I appreciate what you said there, you know, to the extent that we have that control. But, um, you know, if if you do have that ability to make those choices, part of my thought is it goes back to what my mom always said, you know, and you, you, you get out of the house, <laughs> you make your own choices. But when you when you ate dinner, it was you have to eat the regular stuff first, save yep. the best things for last. Um, you know, the, yep. the, the things that you want to do there, the, the, um, the dessert and whatnot. And yeah. if there's things that, okay, I know I need to do and I need to make those the priority, focus on them first. And if there's some of those other things that, okay, they are enjoyable just because of the nature of whatever they are, you know, the volunteering, maybe there's people you enjoy the community there. Um, then at that point, great, you know, that's wonderful fit those in, but but not at the point of sacrificing, um, you know, what, what needs to come first. One other quick question, we're down to our last minute and a half here, Father, but if I have somebody in my family, and I can tell they are the ones struggling with this sin, this, this acedia, this spiritual apathy, is there anything that I might be able to do to help them, uh, obviously pray for them, first of all, but then after that? Yeah, absolutely, because it is usually a, an aversion to the good or a disconnection from what's good. Simply be letting them know that you're there for them. <laughs> In other words, to say, 
I'm here. You're obviously struggling. Let me know what I can do. And recognizing that sometimes what they're going to ask for is not always state of the art. So you might not be able to respond in, in the way they would specifically want if it's just going to aid or abet uh, that, that sense of, of distraction. But at the same time, to let them know that you care, because once again, this idea is that drifting into I don't care, letting them know that you care helps them to care. <laughs> Right. Well, and then if somebody's listening and they're saying, okay, you know, I, I think this is something I'm struggling with. I, I'd like to learn a little bit more. Any resources, any books or, you know, saints that you might point someone to? Yeah, there's, a, I, I've got, I would say about four or five years ago, there was a book called The Noonday Devil by a Benedictine abbot. I think it's called The Noonday Devil. That was, it was his dissertation, but it's actually pretty approachable uh, in that way. Um, and then I think there's another book called uh, Acedia and Me. Uh, which is which is uh, Kathleen Norris uh, wrote that that was uh, that's recommendable. Beautiful. Well, Father, it's always good to talk to you. We're down to our last thirty seconds here. Could I ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners? Absolutely. As we enter into this Lenten season, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord fill you with His presence and joy. And may Almighty God bless you, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks again, Father Michael, for being with us here on The Inner Life. Have a wonderful rest of your week. And thank you for listening and being a part of the program. Of course, the podcast will be posted here shortly. If you joined us late, find it at relevantradio.com and on the Relevant Radio app. And sign up for Father Rocky's Lenten Lessons on the Mass while you are there. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to be talking about Christian burial. What are the rules? What are the the, the requirements? Why does the church have guidelines for us on how and where we should be buried when we die? It's going to be an interesting conversation. I hope you can join us for it tomorrow on The Inner Life.